It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, the show that's so nice, we do it twice, and the show that's presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code PODCAST1. He is Evan Silva. It's really simple. He's the best fantasy football analyst there is, which is why he's the star of the Fantasy Feast podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, at Evan Silva, like I do. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL. If you're a Facebook person, it's facebook.com. Slash Ross Tucker NFL. And I'm not in a very good mood today, Evan. I must tell you, number one, I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And number two, I'm out of the fantasy playoffs in the Feast League. Not real happy about it. My opponent had Amari Cooper. So that sucked. It really sucked. And the only way I'm getting through today is Omax Boost giving me that little cognitive boost that I need. They're offering you guys 60% off a one-month supply of cognitive boost plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. I love that because it works for me. Hopefully, it works for you guys. But if it doesn't or you don't feel like it does, you got the 60-day money-back guarantee. And you're getting 60% off a one-month supply when you go to omaxboost.com slash feast. omaxboost.com slash feast. You guys have already heard of like Omega-3s before. It's got that in it. It's got Alpha GPC. Combines those two to help you feel energized. There's no jitteriness. There's no crash. Give it a try. Omax Cognitive Boost. OmaxBoost.com slash feast today. O-M-A-X-B-O-O-S-T dot com slash feast today. Evan, let's start with the Thursday nighter. It's a big one. Chargers Chiefs. Chargers Chiefs. Fire the cannons. Um, 1 p.m. Eastern time games. Let's roll. <laughs> Come on, Kidding. dude. Mahomes, he is the best quarterback play in fantasy. Um, Spencer Ware dealing with maybe hamstring and shoulder injuries, at least a hamstring injury. That's really all that's been confirmed. Um, DNP on Tuesday, I think he's going to play, but I don't know. Uh, So you just got to keep track of it. I think if he plays, you roll him. Chargers have been decimated by interior injuries, as we've spoken about at length. The next guy up behind him is Damian Williams. The guy after that is Charkandrick West. And then you have Daryl Williams, who they just really haven't played. Um, So that's the depth chart, and, you know, you adjust accordingly. Tyreek Hill was in and out of last week's game a bit with a heel injury. Not worried about him. He practiced on Tuesday. He went 8 for 139. He's averaging over 11 targets per game when Sammy Watkins is limited and or uh, missing from the game entirely. 
Uh, so I, I'm rolling Tyreek Hill with, with no hesitation. He has really had Casey Hayward's number uh, over their last three meetings, has made Casey Hayward look silly on multiple occasions. Tyreek the Freak runs 429. Okay, Casey Hayward is a great corner, but he ran 457 coming out of Vanderbilt. Their slot corner, Tyreek plays slot about half the time. Their slot corner is really good too. Desmond King, he ran 460. So, look, those guys are good players, but Tyreek Hill can run by anybody, and the matchup here is good. Everything's good for uh, for Tyreek Hill except for that heel, and I'm not too worried about it. He's been able to practice. Chris Conley out-targeted by Demarcus Robinson last week. Um, Chris Conley has not you – know, he's had one good game, really, uh, in the absence of Sammy Watkins, he had another game where he scored a touchdown, but had like 30 yards. It was against the Raiders. Um, so those guys are kind of in the same boat. You know, it's I don't know who's going to have a better game. You could look at him at the DFS one game slates, but, you know, you're throwing darts. On uh, Travis Kelsey, speaking of teams having players' numbers, the Chargers, for whatever reason, have been able to shut down Travis Kelsey in four straight games. His best game against them during that span, he had uh, six for 46, I believe. Um, so I don't, I don't know what that means for the fifth game. It, it could just mean, you know, positive regression in Travis Kelsey's favor. I mean, this is, you know, he's the best tight end in fantasy by like a six fantasy point per game margin in PPR. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're rolling him, but, you know, also have the awareness that he has struggled here for, uh, you know, a, a two-year stretch against the Chargers. On the other side, Phillip Rivers at Arrowhead has struggled badly historically, and the Chiefs have maintained their home field advantage in terms of points allowed by a, a, it's a huge margin. It's 18.7 points per game allowed at Arrowhead, and it's over 33 points per game allowed on the road. Um, those are your concerns for Phillip Rivers. At the end of the day, this game has the second highest total on the slate. Um, the, char- the Chargers are banged up in their own right in the running game, and that could lead to more uh, passing from Phillip Rivers. Uh, also, I mean, they're just going to have to score to keep up with, with Kansas City. Kansas City, you know, doesn't stop scoring for anyone. They put 27 on the Ravens. You know, many people were considering the Ravens the best defense in the NFL entering last week and you know they put 27 on them uh pat mahomes was the the quarterback six on the week against uh the ravens so the chiefs are going to get theirs and the chargers are going to have to get theirs philip rivers may throw a few picks along the way uh, but picks don't really hurt you that much in fantasy and you know if the team the other team goes and scores after your pick you get the ball right back so uh, I think Philip and Philip Rivers lit up the, the Chiefs in these teams' Week One meeting. And of course, was not at Arrowhead; it was in LA. Uh, but he had over 400 yards, his most uh, passing yards all season. So I, I think that there is definite risk there. But at the end of the day, I think that he is uh, above the quarterback one fringe. Melvin Gordon, shockingly, got into practice on Tuesday. We will see how he bounces back uh, Wednesday. And, you know, Thursday, I'm sure that he's going to come down to just a game-time decision. I think if he plays, you roll him in season long. If he doesn't play, 
Justin Jackson and Detrez Newsom are going to be the Chargers' two backs. Austin Eckler not going to play due to stingers slash concussion. Melvin Gordon, um, I think he's worth the risk in a great matchup. Chiefs have gotten crushed by the run all season, have allowed the most receiving yards per game in the NFL to opposing running backs. Um, but if he's out, Justin Jackson becomes an, an auto-play RB2. Uh, Detrez Newsom is just not a guy that the Chargers have felt comfortable trotting out there. Five touches on 11 snaps so far this season, zero targets. Justin Jackson averaging six yards per carry over his last three. I know he was a dud last week. Austin Eckler just exploded out of the gate last week. And then the Chargers wound up doing this thing where they – don't run a lot of plays. They ran like 52 offensive plays. And, you know, they've done that from time to time this year. Their defense ends up staying on the field a lot. Keenan Allen, week one, tore up the Chiefs for 8-108 and a touchdown. He's been on fire since their bye, really since that week seven game in London against the Titans where, you know, he started complaining about his role. And then, you know, he, he became the squeaky wheel but, you know, that's like actually a good thing. Like he was right, you know, get get Keenan Allen the ball. And that has been uh, successful uh, last week. The uh, well, the 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 chief, the chiefs have been solid, but not spectacular in their coverage of slot receivers this season. Uh, Mike and Tyrell Williams, the, the deal just never changes for these guys. Tyrell Williams really hasn't done anything since that Titans game. In week seven, um, Mike Williams is just a totally touchdown dependent guy, you know, never, never puts up big yardage, never puts up, um, you know, big target totals. Uh, they're very much complimentary guys. They, their, their outlook is enhanced though this week. I mean, the chiefs have given up the most 20 plus yard receptions in the league. My guess is that one of these guys is going to have a good game. But I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know which guy it would be. I guess if you, you know, if you, you pressed me on it, I guess I would go with Mike Williams. But you know, just because he's been a little bit more productive lately and he's got more red zone targets. But Tyrell Williams uh, has been playing more snaps and running more routes, so I, I just sort of don't know. Uh, Antonio Gates, you know, the Chiefs might get back Eric Berry this week. The Chiefs have given up the third most receiving yards per game in the NFL. The tight ends, but they may get Eric Berry last back this week. Antonio Gates popped up for a big game a few weeks ago against Denver. Otherwise, just has done nothing. So, um, not trustworthy at all. Travis Benjamin, 33% of the snaps last week. We can officially move on to the 1 p.m. Eastern time games. Uh, well, two things. One is, this is the first week where we have two Saturday games. Second of all, I will just tell you, I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to play. I told you I had a grade two sprained MCL once, and I think I came back in 10 days, but I was like a rookie O-lineman trying to make the team. You know, I mean, this is a guy, star running back. I just, there's a difference between running backs and O-lineman, so I'm still going to say I doubt that he plays. I think he sits out this one. And he plays in the last two would be my guess. The game I'll be at on Saturday, Evan, is the Houston Texans at the New York Jets. 
Houston Texans at the New York Jets. Yeah, low scoring projection on this game. Sam Darnold made a couple great plays last week, you know, and that's awesome to see. But, you know, not a guy to bet on in fantasy right now. Quincy Anun was still hobbling around on his high ankle sprain. Robbie Anderson has, he's come around. Uh, 14 targets over the last two weeks, uh, almost 200 air yards. You can run by these Texans corners, man. I mean, T.Y. Hilton did it all game last week, as we expected. Sharice Wright is old. Jonathan Joseph is old. This is a really good matchup for Robbie Anderson. Uh, There are going to be these DFS slates where you just play the two Saturday games. Robbie Anderson should be very much on your radar. Getting a lot of opportunity. Uh, Darnold is back and rolling. Anundwa injured, you know, just a lot of signs pointing at and, uh, and you know, has the big playability and has the great matchup. A lot of signs pointing to Robbie Anderson uh, finishing the season strong at this point. And knock on wood, because this dude has had a high ankle sprain too. These receivers with high ankle sprains are just the absolute worst. Like I remember last year, Emmanuel Sanders, Devontae Parker, you know, they were, they were out there, but they were just at like 45%. And so... You know, you, you, you really you could never play him last week. And if you did, you you were donating. Um, can't play a Nunwa. Uh, Chris Herndon is pretty interesting. Uh, the Texans have been awful against tight ends. Last week it was Eric Ebron uh, had a monster first half against them. Four for 65 and a touchdown in the first half alone. Of course, he finished with 465 and a touchdown. Uh, but still, productive game. And, you know, it's Jeff Hoyerman, uh, Jordan Reed, all these different tight ends uh, have had big games recently against the Texans. Uh, so Chris Herndon, uh, rock-solid streamer, despite coming off a, a predictably quiet game against Buffalo uh, last week. The other guys, yeah, Isaiah Crowell, Elijah McGuire have been out of practice. I just, I don't know. Uh, but those are situations to monitor closely. Elijah McGuire had 20 touches last week as Isaiah Crowell exited early. Uh, Trenton Canaan also was out of practice. I mean, this this team has just, their skill position players have been brutalized by injuries. And um, we're going to have to just wait until later in the week to figure out what's going on there. On the Texans side, um, it was Marcus Mariota, and then it was Josh Allen. Both had big rushing games against this Jets defense that plays a lot of man, blitzes a lot. Perfect, you know, kind of um, team to pick on with quarterbacks that can run. Uh, and Josh Allen went off again uh, as a runner, and uh, Marcus Mariota had 43 rushing yards the week before. So, like to see that for Deshaun Watson, who has 135 rushing yards over his last three games led the Texans in rushing last week. His pass attempts were also up. Did not have a big fantasy game, uh, but that that rushing is going to raise his floor. And this Jets team, you know, you never really know if they're going to show up defensively. Uh, I think that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, they can stay hot uh, in this game. Uh, Although the Colts did do a very good job last week of keeping DeAndre Hopkins quiet until uh, he caught a touchdown in the fourth quarter, uh, but that's what he does. I mean, you know, he he's been he's been very very consistent, and expect another big game against the Jets teams that has has given up a lot of production to opposing 
tight ends, I'm sorry, wide receivers all season long. Uh, speaking of tight ends, Ryan Griffin was the beneficiary. You know, the Colts assigned safeties and linebackers and coverage to help against DeAndre Hopkins. Ryan Griffin wound up benefiting with uh, over 80 yards, uh, had a 47-yard catch and run late in the game. He's still splitting time with Jordan Thomas and Jordan Aikens. Uh, I think that is a situation to avoid, especially against a Jets team that has been very good in tight end coverage all season long, pretty good at safety. Um, oh, one note, you know, Darren Lee, and this happened last Friday, Darren Lee, uh, the Jets inside linebacker, who I think that they, they view him as a disappointment to some extent. Um, but, I mean, he's played like all but 13 snaps in their defense this year. He ran 4-4-7 coming out of Ohio State. Uh, he leads their team in uh, stops uh, on defense. You know, he's a rangy linebacker that can make plays sideline to sideline. He's suspended. He's done for the year. Uh, so that's another uh, plus for Deshaun Watson and also potentially for Lamar Miller in addition to the fact that the Jets have just been bad in run defense, period. I mean, just giving up a ton of rushing production. Uh, that should help Lamar Miller bounce back. He had a really quiet rushing day. Was stuck. He had like negative eight rushing yards for, you know, like a significant portion of last week's game. And, you know, when you start like that, like you're digging yourself out of a hole and your box score is never going to end up looking particularly good. Um, but I think that he can absolutely have a rebound game. He still significantly out-touched Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue only had six touches. Uh, I think uh, Lamar Miller finished with 18. They may get back Dante Foreman this week. He was inactive last week, but I think that he would be more of a threat to Alfred Blue than to Alfred than to Lamar Miller, and we really don't know what he has left because in NFL history, no running back has ever successfully returned from a torn Achilles. Uh, that doesn't mean that he can't be the first. You know, it doesn't. It, it definitely doesn't mean because not a lot of running backs have torn their Achilles. Period. We're dealing in a very small sample size. Um, you know, he definitely could do that, but he is. Um, you know, he's a complete unknown right now and likely more of a threat to blue than Miller. Uh, Demarius Thomas, just not getting enough targets. You know, he's a touchdown or bus guy has been held, has not gone over seven yards or he has gone over seven yards in just two of his last 24 games. Um, so, you know, he's a role player on a run first team. Uh, and that, you know, that, that doesn't translate to big time wide receiving production at all. Uh, Kiki QT can't play him until he shows he's over his hamstring injury. We can move on to the next one. Saturday night, the Browns are in Denver to take on the Broncos. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And uh, this should be a Philip Lindsay game. Uh, Philip Lindsay had a little bit of a slower week last week, and you know they they um, they fell behind San Francisco and. Uh, you know, just the game didn't really play out that well. San Francisco's been good against the run, and uh, you know, Philip Lindsay didn't break any big, big long runs. I think he can do that against Cleveland. Cleveland has been bad against the run all season long, uh, particularly in their last three games. I don't think that you know that there really should be no struggles here for Philip Lindsay. Royce Freeman still pretty ineffective. One thing that Cecil Lammy, a football guy who covers the Broncos noted is that um, Royce Freeman has struggled to um, adjust to the Broncos' I formations uh, and 
know, he played in a spread at uh, at, at uh, Colorado. No, I'm sorry, at Oregon. And uh, he has uh, struggled with his footwork um, and just, you know, just his and his overall vision. And so that's a, another reason that he has been so clearly behind Philip Lindsay. Ideally, it would it really would be more of a, a one-two split, and Philip Lindsay used more in the passing game. Uh, but Royce Freeman has not come along, um, you know, in his rookie year, and I'm sure that he will improve in the off season. He he really he really has largely impressed still, uh, despite the fact that you know he's had these uh, problems picking up the scheme and the playbook. Uh, in the passing game, Case Keenum is a full-on game manager. Has not. Uh, reached a 300 yards passing since week six and the, the Browns strength is their pass defense. That's a situation to avoid Cortland Sutton dealing with a quad injury. I don't think he's playable uh, against the Browns expecting Denzel Ward to return. I think that Tim Patrick who had 10 targets last week and led the team in receiving. He's a legit sleeper against the Browns. The Browns number two corner is either going to be TJ Carey or Terrence Mitchell. Uh, both those guys started last week. Uh, Terrence Mitchell came off the IR return, but uh, with Denzel Ward back, one of those guys is probably going to go to the bench or the slot. Uh, just just don't know. But Tim Patrick, he had a big game. He had a bunch of catches against Richard Sherman. Uh, he is a guy that I watched a lot coming out of college, uh, and he had a big game against Dory Jackson, uh, who wound up being a first-round pick. Tim Patrick went undrafted. Uh, and he's six foot four, two oh eight, with four four seven speed. A legit athlete was just hurt a lot um, in college, uh, so he's going to continue to get opportunities. I mean, he had he ran more routes than Cortland Sutton did last week. I think he's actually a better one for one play this week than Cortland Sutton. Slot receiver Deshaun Hamilton jumped right into Emmanuel Sanders' role uh, on the interior. Last week, and I expect that to continue. No fear uh, using him in this game. Uh, I think that he is the favorite for targets on the Broncos um, on on Saturday night. Uh, at tight end, Matt Lacoste still getting a lot of playing time. He ran a ton of routes last week, 31, but man, he got uh, one target. And uh, Brian Parker, their number two tight end. Uh, he had two targets, uh, so that's kind of frustrating. I think that Matt Lacoste uh, does have a chance to rebound uh, against Cleveland. Cleveland has been getting smashed by tight end since they lost linebacker Christian Kirksey. And uh, um, I think that Matt Lacoste, at least on the two-game two slate, uh, if, you, if you can get him at minimum price in DFS, I think that he's very much... Uh, playable on the other side baker mayfield has been balling uh he did not have a big fantasy game last week the browns got into one of these situations where they ran 44 offensive plays uh that's uh, the broncos allow the seventh most most plays per game uh, at 65 65.3 i believe so uh, i think that the browns play volume is definitely going to bounce back in this game uh, but that hurt them last week. Baker Mayfield went 18 for 22. You know, he's usually going to be around the 30 attempt range. The Broncos have lost so many dudes in the secondary. I mean, first of all, they were playing with fire entering the season, you know, using uh, Pac-Man Jones and you know, Tremaine Brock uh, on the outside. 
Uh, Pac-Man Jones got cut. Tremaine Brock now looks like he's going to start uh, because they were using Isaac Yaedum out of Boston College, um, and he's hurt. He separated his shoulder last week. They lost Chris Harris to a fractured fibula the week before. Uh, so I think that Baker can have a really good game against Denver. Uh, it is it is a bounce-back spot for Denver, though, uh, coming off their road loss returning home. And it is a letdown spot for Cleveland coming off a pretty big home upset over Carolina and then going on the road uh, to play at altitude. So those are things to keep in mind. Uh, the Broncos have been really good against the run, but you know, Nick Chubb has just been good, period. And um, he's been pretty much matchup proof. Uh, his touches have been down for different reasons recently, but adjusted for you know game script and overall total play volume, I mean, he's, he's been fine. I think he can absolutely get back into the 20-touch range in this game. Duke Johnson has become a complete non-factor. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, uh, had just as many, if not more, touches than Duke Johnson last week. Duke Johnson has two had two touches last week. I think Dontrell Hilliard finished with like two or three. In the receiver core, Antonio Callaway was victimized by the low play volume. You know, Baker Mayfield throwing 22 passes. Like, there's just not going to be much, much, you know, pass catcher production, period. Uh, so Antonio Callaway had zero yards last week i love his matchup on saturday night against you know this this uh, depleted broncos uh, secondary uh, and antonio callaway is a dangerous player and he's cheap in dfs so he's a guy to consider uh, on in the slot you know the browns started manufacturing touches last week for jarvis landry you love to see that no chris harris in the slot uh, so jarvis landry he should be good to go as a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Uh, Brashad Perryman made a big play uh, early in last week's game. 66-yard catch uh, helped set up uh, an early touchdown. But he's really just like a, a fourth receiver, uh, not not playing a whole lot. So And he only had two targets in the game, so he's just a complete dart throw. You know, would much rather use guys like Tim Patrick or – uh, Deshaun Hamilton or even Rashard Higgins. Rashard Higgins was abysmal last week, though. Dropped a 31-yard touchdown pass. Lost a fumble uh, deep in Brown's territory uh, that tr- uh, translated quickly into a Christian McCaffrey touchdown. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I, you have to wonder if after a game like that, uh, he might lose playing time. But those guys have been sharing third receiver duties, essentially, but behind Callaway and Jarvis Landry. And Joku just super, super up and down. With that said, like we just saw George Kittle go nuts against this Denver defense, which is now giving up the most fantasy yards to, to tight ends, or the most yards in the NFL and the most fantasy points to tight ends. So um, that's where we are with David and Joku. Just, just real boomer bust. We should be able to move on to the next one. Sunday, 1 o'clock. Let's get to that slate. The Cardinals at the Falcons. Battle of the Birds. Cardinals-Falcons. Battle of the Birds. Yes. Ooh, this is uh, not the greatest fantasy game. Um, David Johnson, uh, been getting the touches, has not been getting the production. uh, But the Falcons have been terrible against the run, and we know about their tendency to give up catches in the passing game 
to running backs. David Johnson did set season highs in um, routes run, targets, and catches last week. He had eight catches. Let's not bring up the fact that he had 12 yards on those eight catches. Uh, but the matchup here is really good. And they play 88% of the snaps. Chase Edmonds, the, the guy who vultured two touchdowns from him last week or the previous week, he was nowhere to be found. Um, so this is a kind of interesting contrarian spot for David Johnson in DFS. And I think he's a solid, not spectacular RB2 play, uh, but he does have the RB1 upside in PPR because of, of all those factors that we just mentioned. Trent Sherfield, uh, undrafted rookie out of Vanderbilt, led the Cardinals in receiving yards last week. He is the clear-cut number two receiver now behind Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I, I I struggle to play, you know, these guys that, like, you know, just pop up late in the season, but the opportunity is absolutely there for Trent Sherfield. He's going to be on the field a lot. I guess the Falcons team that has allowed the fifth most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. Uh, the Falcons have also played poorly against slot receivers recently. They got Randall Cobb off the schneid last week, and um, the, the, they've given up big-time production in the slot really all season long. Uh, so that bodes well for Larry Fitzgerald. You can't expect upside games from him at this point. He just really hasn't provided that. Uh, but I, I do think that he's a solid wide receiver three play. Uh, Josh Rosen threw a pick six last week. Hasn't been good in fantasy. I mean, their offensive line, like, I think they have like four dudes on IR. You know, another guy not playing because he's injured. I mean, it's just, it's a turnstile. And you know, even against the Falcons team that really hasn't rushed the passer well this year, has given up a lot of, you know, a lot of production to opposing passing games. Josh Rosen, just a low end uh, QB2. Ricky Seals Jones, a low end tight end two. Yeah, and then for the, on the Falcons' side, Ido Smith has outtouched Tevin Coleman in back-to-back games. Uh, and they played the exact same number of snaps last week. So it's just a, an even committee right down the middle at this point. And Dan Quinn has talked about how late down the stretch of a lost season he wants to look at younger players. We saw Brian Hill get in the game a little bit last week. Um you know, I think that one of the guys, Ido Smith or uh, Tevin Coleman, has a good game, but your guess is as good as mine as to which guy that will be. I'd probably leave, lean te- Tevin just because we know he's got that home run hit, hitting capability. I think that Matt Ryan is a, a best kind of approached as a high floor, um, low upside quarterback play this week. We are going to get Julio Jones. Um, shadowed by Patrick Peterson, which historically has gone, they, they've traded off, um, you know, uh, winning that battle. So that, I think it makes Julio more volatile, um, but and and that you know, but that can also translate to more production for guys like Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, Muhammad Sanu, who you know from week to week, like it's just kind of a toss up as to who is going to have a good game. It's usually been Austin Hooper, uh, recently. Sanu has been pretty quiet and, uh, Calvin Ridley has been super quiet. Uh, but you know, because we were probably going to get Peterson on who on Julio, that could open up opportunities a little bit more for the other guys. We can move on to the next one. 
Next one, Bucks at the Ravens. Bucks at the Ravens. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Bucks getting their defense back on track recently. That might be right. I mean, they they definitely, you know, they they change defensive coordinators, uh, and it's possible that they are. But if you just isolate, like, but they also played three games at home, and if you isolate their home road splits in terms of points allowed, you know, you you definitely would not think that their defense has gotten back on track. You, you would you would say that their defense. Uh, has been way better at home than it has been on the road. Um, and they've allowed 20.6 points per game at home. And then on the road, they've allowed 39.8 points per game with a low of like 35. So uh, they, you know, they, I think it's still very much a defense to attack. Uh, they've been awful in the run game. Uh, from a run defense standpoint recently, that bodes well for Lamar Jackson, who's been, although he has not given us you know the, the monster game yet, uh, he has been super, super steady. He's been a top 13 fantasy quarterback in all four of his starts. We saw him, saw him throw a couple of touchdown passes uh, last week. He has not gone for two, 180 yards in a single game from a passing standpoint yet, and you straight up can't play any of his pass catchers. But he has rushed for 70-plus yards in all four starts. Um, and I think that he is a, a real solid play at home against this Tampa Bay team that gives up 40 points per game on the road. Um, and I think that we, we are going to see that upside game from Lamar before the season is over. This very well could be the game where it happens. Um, Gus Edwards, his snaps and uh, carries continue to trend down while, while Kenneth Dixon's continue to trend up last week. Kenneth Dixon looked like the best back on the field, nine touches for 80 yards and a touchdown uh, against Kansas city, just so much better in the passing game brings a lot of lot more versatility to the Ravens offense. They can do more with Kenneth Dixon than they can with Gus Edwards. And I continue and I expect Kenneth Dixon to continue to trap, to trend up. Um, Kenneth Dixon is a PPR specific flex play with RB2 upside against Tampa Bay. And then Gus Edwards is more of a touchdown dependent uh, flex option. uh, And he's not going to get you anything in the passing game has not even been targeted since week eight. Ty Montgomery is the clear number three there. He had three touches last week on 21% of the snaps. On Tampa Bay side, it's a really tough matchup, you know. And we saw what the how the Ravens attacked the Falcons receivers a couple of weeks ago, and they did so very effectively. Uh, they used Jimmy Smith primarily in man uh, with a, a safety over the top against Julio, and then against Calvin Ridley, they just stuck Marlon Humphrey on him, and Marlon Humphrey pretty much side silenced uh, Calvin Ridley. I think they do the same thing with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, you know. That's not to say it's definitely going to work, but I think that that's going to be their strategy. Uh, I think that this could be a good game for the Ravens' defense. I think that we could see uh, Jameis uh, start to turn it over in this game. Um, so no fear using Ravens' defense against uh, at home against Tampa Bay. Can't mess around with Peyton Barber. 
I mean, the Ravens, you know, their, their past defense, I would say, has been somewhat up and down um, a little bit. You know, it's been exploitable at times. Their run defense has been super, super steady. <sighs> Tight ends. I mean, you can attack the, the Ravens in the middle of the field for sure uh, with slot receivers and tight ends. So I think that Adam Humphreys is an okay wide receiver three slash flex. And then uh, Cameron Bray, touchdown dependent tight end. We can move on to the next one. Lions, Bills, yuck, other than Josh Allen running. (laughs) Yes, yes. I mean, the Lions are to the point where, I mean, you can't use anyone. I mean, maybe Galladay, maybe Galladay. Tredavious White hasn't been as good over his last two games. But, you know, like I'm uh, in, in our high-stakes league, I'm playing Tyler Lockett for sure over Galladay this week. Uh, but I think that Galladay, you know, just based on volume projection, um, you know, you can look at him. But, I, yeah, I think that you um, – I think you're looking at the Bills' defense uh, before you're looking at, you know, Stafford or, you know, anybody like that. I mean, unless we get on Johnson back – the, the Bills did lose Matt Milano, who's been a stud for them. Uh, weak side linebacker uh, just makes a ton of plays every single week. Uh, he fractured his fibula. He's going to be he's going to be ready to go for OTAs and all that. But that was a pretty significant loss for them. If Carryon Johnson comes back, I think you could look at him as a flex option. But he's been out a while, and I, there have been no indications that he will come back. Um, you know, don't don't want to use Legarrette Blunt. Don't want to use. Theo Riddick, I mean, unless you're real desperate in PPR. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, LaShawn McCoy banged up. Chris Ivory banged up. We could look at Marcus Murphy maybe as a, a desperation PPR play if those guys are both out. But they're both listed as day-to-day. I mean, they could both easily play. Um, so we're just going to have to see about that. Josh Allen. Uh, Mike Clay of ESPN noted that the Lions have given up the fewest rushing yards in the NFL to opposing quarterbacks. So this is going to be the unstoppable force meets the uh, immovable object uh, when Josh Allen meets the the Lions' uh, great defense against running quarterbacks. Uh, Josh Allen be, uh, became the first quarterback in NFL history since the, in, the, in the Super Bowl era era which began in 1966, uh, first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to rush for 100 yards in consecutive games. He really should have three consecutive games of 100 yards, but kneel downs at the end of the game put him from, uh, I think it was 101 to 99 in week 12. So, uh, but, you know, and there's been talk that he's really just scrambling. I mean, he had four, he had four rushes for 48 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive on the ground last week. I mean, it's absolutely a part of their playbook, you know? So, um, the, the, your question is, is he going to, you know, be able to do anything in the passing game, do enough in the passing game to continue to be productive? I mean, he's been a top three, top 10 fantasy quarterback in all three of these starts. I think he is going to be able to do, do things in the passing game this week. I think we're going to see Darius Slay on, Zay Jones primarily, and then I think they're going to struggle to cover Robert Foster. They may even have to stick Darius Slay on on, Zay, on Robert Foster uh, because this dude has been ripping big plays. Um, 
But either way, I think that they're going to get a good matchup on the outside, and then I think they're going to get a good matchup on the, in the slot. This dude, Isaiah McKenzie, he's 5'7", 170, but he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands, and he started to really stand out to me a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't really think he'd be a, a, a fantasy factor at any point. But then they cut Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes, and they move Zay Jones outside opposite Robert Foster. Isaiah McKenzie is now their full-time slot receiver, and slot slot is a great place to attack the Lions. Um, Isaiah McKenzie had scored six uh, return touchdowns in his career at Georgia. Uh, he ran four four two. He had eight touches last week. He had four catches and he had four rushing attempts, and he scored a touchdown on a rushing attempt, and he scored a rushing uh, a rushing touchdown a couple of weeks ago. Um, so. I think he's like a sneaky wide receiver three slash flex play, especially in PPR. He's got four catches in back-to-back games. Yeah, that we can we can move on to the next one. Packers at the Bears, Evan. So we had raised confidence level last week at home against the Falcons. Uh, you know, with in in that first you know kind of game on the bounce after Mike McCarthy was fired. Uh, but I, man, I, I, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about playing Green Bay dudes at Chicago. It's, it's just a really tough defense to play against, and uh, you know, it, it's pretty. I guess they lost Bryce Callahan last week, but you know, Randall Cobb really, he's not a guy that that scares you anymore um, in the slot. Uh, I think that Devontae Adams is a confident play. Uh, but I mean, Aaron Jones is pretty, I mean, Todd Gurley couldn't roll against the bears, you know, I'd be looking at, at streamers to play over Aaron Rodgers. Don't want to mess with Jimmy Graham at all. I mean, no tight end has reached 50 yards all, all season against the bears. You know, the complimentary receivers have been, have been dust recently. You know, the, the, the young rookies are not doing anything. Um, yeah, I, I really would not want to play Packers if I could avoid it uh, beyond Devontae Adams. De- Devontae Adams is a lock and load. Um, but the but the other guys don't don't want any part of them. Bears defense, I think you can continue to roll with for sure. Um, Trubisky just did not show enough, I, I think, in his first game back from the, uh, the, sh- the, the injury to his throwing arm. I'd want to get him – I want him to get, like, one game under his belt where he actually throws the ball well, um, which, I mean, you might be able to argue that he didn't do that even before the injury. Uh, but I'd want to see a lot more than than what we saw from him uh, against the Rams. Um, Jordan Howard is kind of an interesting play this week. He definitely has a low floor uh, because he doesn't just straight up, doesn't catch passes and he's touchdown dependent. If he doesn't score a touchdown, then he, he could, like, you know, really, really uh, sink you. But the Packer, but the, uh, the the Bears are like pretty clearly the better team here, and the Packers have been bad in run defense. So the game kind of sets up well for him. Tarek Cohen has been a consistent playmaker at this point, um, and I think that you can use him uh, successfully to exploit the Packers inside linebackers in particular. And Matt De- Matt Nagy has done an awesome job of doing that all season long. Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, you know, all these other, all these guys like Anthony Miller, 
you know, I, I just, I, I'm at a point where I just, I don't know what to say, you know, like, because I, I don't know, like, because things are so spread out and because the quarterback is inefficient and because, you know, this could very easily be a game where they run the, their, their, uh, their, you know, run, run play selection is, uh, enhanced because they are home favorites against a bad run defense. And I mean, you're, you're just on your own throwing darts at any of the bears pass catchers. We can move on to the next one. Raiders at the Bengals. Raiders at the Bengals. I have not gotten to this one yet. Um, yeah, um, I don't have a whole lot to say. You can read my matchup column on Thursday. We can move on to the next one. Cowboys at the Colts. Actually, a pretty good Sunday 1 o'clock game. Very, very good. Very good. Yeah, I mean, this passing game in Dallas has uh, has really, really taken off since they acquired Amari Cooper. But it's not just Amari Cooper. It has also been the fact that they have embraced Ezekiel Elliott in the receiving game. And I think we talked a lot about this last week, but um, his like number of routes run and his targets are all way up. It's like during their week eight bye, they made a commitment to using him more in the passing and he is now their number two receiver and the Colts have gotten slammed by receiving backs all season long. They actually have played really good run defense lately. You can go ask Lamar Miller from last week and it extended about a month before that, it's been about a five-game stretch where they played really, really good run defense. I think the Cowboys can trample them, and Ezekiel Elliott can get his in the receiving game. Uh, so, love, love, love this game for Zeke. Uh, we talked a lot about, about uh, last week about Dak Prescott and how um, the Eagles had shown this vulnerability to uh, uh, running quarterbacks. They were really getting hurt by running quarterbacks. Cam had a monster game against them. Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles even had a productive top 12 fantasy performance against them. And, and Dak finishes the number one fantasy quarterback on the week. Okay. I mean, we, we kind of know what we're doing sometimes, guys. Okay. Uh, Dak Prescott, I think, in this game that has, you know, it's indoors. You don't have to worry about weather. It's, it's you know, mid-December. The game has high scoring potential. I do think that, Andrew Luck is going to be able to get some offense generated against Dallas. I think that Dak is a pretty good play. Uh, and, and, you know, you can roll him with Amari Cooper. Uh, absolutely. You can roll him with Zeke Elliott in DFS for sure. Uh, Blake Jarwin had a bunch of catches last week against Philadelphia. Uh, there is a streamer that we're going to talk about in a different game that I like better. Um, he actually... Uh, he played in the Ivy League, and we're going to be discussing him. Um, but Blake Jarwin, if you're super, super desperate, you know he's sort of in the mix against the Colts. The Colts have been bad against tight ends. You know these these a lot of these zone defenses they will give up catches in the underneath passing game, and you'll see that they are bad against tight ends, uh, bad against slot receivers, and bad against running backs in the receiving game. And that's largely the case with the Colts. Yeah, you know, I mean, Michael Gallup is a dart throw. That's That pretty much takes care of Dallas. Uh, this game, so T.Y. Hilton plays enough in the slot that I think that he's not going to have to deal with Byron Jones and 
uh, Chidobi Awuzie for the entire game. And, you know, those guys are, are big corners. And uh, I do think that T.Y. Hilton has the quickness to get around them, uh, especially Awuzie. I think that Awuzie is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, um, a little bit uh, more like vulnerable than Byron Jones is. And then on the interior, I definitely think that T.Y. Hilton can get around Anthony Brown. So, look, it's not one of the best matchups. You know, it, it's not an easy matchup at all. But I think that T.Y. Hilton, when he's healthy, uh, and, and Andrew Luck is healthy, this dude is an every week fantasy starter, uh, at worst a wide receiver two against the Cowboys. Um, Eric Ebron. So the Eric Ebron has just been a target monster uh, in the absence of Jack Doyle, and there's every reason to expect that to continue. Uh, the Cowboys are below average in their in their tight end production allowed. Uh, uh, they did kind of slow down Zach Ertz a little bit last week, but Dallas Goddard had a monster game that could have been uh, much, much bigger. Um, and then uh, the rest of their, their receivers are like Ryan Grant and you know, Zach Pascal had a decent game last week. I, I, I don't want to mess with any of those guys. Uh, Chester Rogers, you know, don't want to mess with those guys. Dontrell Inman could be back this week. Uh, Cowboys have been sensational in run defense and, you know, and in pass defense. Their pass rush is great. I mean, this is a top five defense, you know, without any questions asked. Uh, so Marlon Mack, I think, is a, a like a poor flex option at this point. He has re- regressed quickly and sharply. I think you can play Andrew Luck with relative confidence. Um, I think that he, you know, he's going to be a, still a good bet for, I don't know, 280 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But I think that you're not expecting a ceiling game by any means. You are getting to play him in indoor indoors. The game, uh, you know, the game does have some shootout potential. We can move on to the next one. The next game, Evan, is the Redskins with Josh Johnson at quarterback at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another yuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just lo- I was just looking at the uh, the Redskins pass catchers to see if you can, you know, pick up on any discernible trends uh, between this quarterback that was signed on uh, December 5th uh, had com- had signed to play with the American the Alliance of American football. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was already, he was all ready to go play for uh, the AAF, um, which I'm actually kind of excited about um, after the season. Uh, but yeah, we get a call from the Redskins and you know, how about it? He's, he, he runs in an eight yard touchdown and he, you know, throws a little catch and run to Jamison Crowder for 79 yard touchdown he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback off the bench last week. Of course, it all happened in garbage time. Now he faces the Jags, who, like, most Jekyll and Hyde defense in the NFL. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. One week, they're shutting out the red-hot Colts offense. The next week, they are they refuse to tackle. You know, they just make business decisions on, on, on every tackle attempt against Derrick Henry. So... I have no idea what kind of a defense we're going to get out of the Jags. My guess is that they do play well in this spot back home, but who knows? I mean, who knows? Uh, They have allowed the most rushing yards 
in the NFL to opposing quarterbacks, which is kind of interesting for a guy like Josh Johnson, who he is a dual threat quarterback. He ran four five five coming out of Dayton. I'm sorry, he did not go to Dayton. He went to San Diego uh, for Jim Harbaugh at San Diego. Yes, uh, and I mixed that up because my brother went to Dayton, and Dayton played that team, uh, and they went to that game, um, which was it was kind of interesting. And they they saw Josh Johnson when he played in college, um, but yeah, he's a, a two quarterback league option. He, I, I looked at his price in DFS, or at least on FanDuel. Um, I'm not sure what it is on DraftKings. He just wasn't cheap enough. Uh, but he's there. Vernon Davis, I think if you're going to pick a Redskins pass catcher because you got Josh Doxson in, in concussion protocol right now, and you know Crowder, although he scored the touchdown, that was the only time that uh, he got targeted by Josh Johnson. And the Jaguars have... They have been shredded by tight ends lately. Um, you know, Eric Ebron had a big game against them. Um, the Titans tight ends didn't need to have a big game against them because Derrick Henry was doing everything. Uh, but Jaguar, but tight ends recently have been very productive against this team and very efficient with their targets. Uh, so that put, puts big Vern, Vernon Davis into the mix as a streamer uh, in this game. You know, we, you can look at the, the Derrick Henry performance and be like, yo, Adrian Peterson could, you know, if he just gets half of that, he'll be in, in, an, an incredible fantasy play. But that would be your the entire basis for your reasoning. I mean, there has been no running game in Washington uh, outside of that one long touchdown run. Um, and, you know, uh, that Adrian Peterson had like a 90-yard touchdown run uh, uh, recently. But beyond that, I mean, you know, there's been nothing doing. And Chris Thompson has returned, and he's got six and six touches in two games. He's just, like, hurting other guys and not, you know, establishing anything for himself from a fantasy standpoint. So um, I, I do think the Jaguars' defense is very much in play uh, against Josh Johnson. Again, just, just got signed, you know, off the street, essentially. And although he looked good in garbage time against the Giants – you know, he could easily on the road to Jacksonville, especially if they show up and play in the game like they did a couple of weeks ago against Andrew Luck. Jaguars could tee off on, on, on this offense. Uh, you know, the, the, this offense has lost a ton of talent on the offensive line, and they're essentially on their fourth string quarterback right now. Um, I think it is really, a, it is kind of, and I know it, it sounds crazy because of what we just saw last Thursday night, but it really is a bounce-back spot for the Jags, getting embarrassed in prime time and then coming back home. Um, you know, I, I think that Leonard Fournette can have a, a very good game against the Redskins. Who, I mean, they, you know, you want to talk about a team that probably has given up. I mean, you know, they, they were down 40 to nothing in the third quarter last week against the Giants, who aren't very good. Um, so, and now they go on the road. That was a home game, and now they go on the road. So, and, like, Saquon Barkley could just do whatever he wanted against them. Um, Saquon Barkley might have been able to go for, like, 350 total yards if they had left him in the, ha- in the for the second half. 
last week. He had finished with 197. Um, D.D. Westbrook is a baller, but, you know, it, it's still it's going to continue to be uh, very up and down in this passing game. You know, they, they had elevated pass attempts last week. I mean, they don't want to be throwing the ball over 40 times. And so that created more opportunity against the Titans. And, um, you know, D.D. Westbrook, I think if you're going to pick a Jaguars receiver to play, that's the dude you get. But he's a dicey wide receiver three option. We can move on to the next one. Wow. You talked a lot longer about Redskins Jags than I thought you were going to. (laughs) I am curious here what you're going to say about Dolphins and the Vikings. Dolphins, Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get uh, DeFilippo, he's out uh, as Vikings OC. I mean, you know, the immediate question is always, oh, well, what impact is that going to have on the offense? You know, it's like, you know, Kevin Stefanski has been in the NFL for like 12 or 13 years. Um, He played quarterback at Penn. Um, You know, he uh, has like, uh, he's been... Uh, with the Vikings the entire time as a coach. I believe that his dad or something is like in the front office there. And um, he, uh, he's he been like a running backs coach. And for the last couple of years, he was a quarterbacks coach. Um, so, I, you know, I have no idea how that's going to affect the offense. My, my guess is that he just does what Zimmer says to, to some extent. And Zimmer, like, wants to run the ball, even though they can't run the ball. So, you know, what that, is ha- what that has translated to is, like, you know, they have 17 points combined over the last two games. I mean, they just got out coached in the game against the Patriots. And then last week, like, I don't know, it was, you know, I never expected them to play well on the road in Seattle. But, I mean, that was just an ugly, ugly performance. It was really an ugly performance on both sides. The, C- the Seahawks offense was trash as well, um, but, you know, they wound up getting the win. They, they've always been a really, really good home team. And the Vikings have, have been kind of the opposite. You know, they we see them just absolutely shred the, you know, the Packers at home. And then, you know, they they get their butts handed to them, I guess. I don't know. It was it was just a low scoring, ugly game against Seattle. Um, anyways, I think that Kirk Cousins bounces back. You know, the Dolphins have, have, uh, been shredded by passing games all season long. We just, we just saw the, uh, Tom Brady have his best game of the year against the Dolphins. Julian Edelman did whatever he wanted. You know, Gronk was exhumed. Uh, and I think that Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs get right back rolling against Miami. I think Dalvin Cook is like, you're not going to be able to come up with a better spot for Dalvin Cook. I mean, the Dolphins run defense has not been good. They got lucky that uh, last week that Sony Michelle, uh, he had a big run called back in the second half, like a 40 yard run, Uh, but they have not been good in run defense. And they, you know, they haven't been good in defense period. They don't rush the passer. Um, I think, I think Diggs, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, um, even Rudolph is a good play this week. Kirk Cousins, I, I like the Vikings offense this week. I think that we see uh, a, a rebound offensively, and of course that will be you know chalked up to Kevin Stefanski, um, you know. But uh, I think that yeah, that, that's how I kind of see it going. On the other side, I think that it's a classic letdown spot for the Dolphins. 
I mean, they're coming off this home upset, just an unbelievable game, by the way. I mean, there were great games last week, but I think that the Dolphins Patriots took the cake. Um, what an unbelievable finish. Uh, and I, I think that they probably, you know, they, they kind of go to the Vikings and get smashed this week. Um, they have been a team that has been, you know, exceeded expectations all season long, but uh, Vikings have played great defense at home. And, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins win with a lot of smoke and mirrors, just big plays. They get, they get guys like out in the open field scoring long touchdowns seemingly every week. I don't think that happens against the Vikings. Um, you could try to throw a dart at Kenny Stills, I suppose. You know, none of the Seahawks receivers did anything against the Vikings last week, even with Holton Hill in there starting for Trey Wayne. Trey Wayne's probably comes back this week, so they'll be um, more more at, uh, at full strength. Um, you know, Drake scores the long touchdown. He scored fantasy points last week. That actually went in the books. The the lateral went in the books as a 55-yard touchdown catch. Um, so he scored fantasy points, but he had seven touches on, in the game. Really, really only six. Uh, so I, I still don't think you can use him in fantasy. Frank Gore is the lead back. You know, he ran great against the Pats, but he probably ain't going to run great against the Vikings. Um we can move on to the next one. Next one is the last one here for a massive part one. It's the Titans and your tight end streamer that you teased earlier. Yes, I heard you against the Giants. <laughs> I love this guy because he, you know, because I love guys that pop in preseason DFS. And Anthony Ferkser like led all tight ends and catches in pre in the preseason. And, they legitimately, you know, Evan, I, they legitimately, it might have been the case, I'd have to check, but it might have been the case that Juszczyk was a senior when Brait, Cam Brait was a junior, Ben Broniker was a sophomore, and Ferkser oh. was a freshman. I might be wrong on that. I think, yeah. if anything, Broniker and... Uh, and Ferkser might be a year younger. I know Broniker and Ferkser are a year apart, and I know when Juszczyk was a senior, Cam Brait was a junior. But I'd have to look that up. All four of those NFL tight end slash fullbacks might have been on Harvard's roster at the same time. That's unbelievable. Are they, is Harvard good? They were when those guys were there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Think, imagine, imagine seriously. They had two years where they 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 went two tight ends every play, and it was Use Check and Cam Bray. I mean, those are both like seven million dollar a year players in the NFL, and they had them both, and they would go, you know, they they'd split them wide, and they'd throw to like receivers, and those guys would block. It was it was really impressive, really impressive. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So Ross, of course, is talking about Anthony Ferkser. So. You know, the, the Titans, of course, lost D- Delaney Walker and um, Johnny Smith to injured reserve. And Anthony Ferkser had gotten to the point where he was, like, already almost kind of outproducing Johnny Smith. Um, he has 16 targets on the season. He's caught all 16 uh, for 201 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's kind of like a smaller tight end slash fullback. He was listed as a fullback um, on a lot of, like, draft websites. 
uh, 6'2", 246 or something like that. And uh, he ran 482, but he had like a, he has a great three cone time. Um, and he's not a, I don't think he's a terrible athlete by any means. And he catches everything. And yo, he's earned Marcus Mariota's trust. Uh, and he's going to be out there a lot in this game uh, against the Giants. Uh, over the last 10 games, the Giants, tight ends facing the Giants, have uh, have caught 80% of their passes. And Ferkser, um, before last week's game where, he, where the Titans really just didn't need to throw, uh, he had put together three games in a row of 40-plus yards, scored a TD in there. Um, so now we're getting him in a good matchup, elevated usage, uh, on the road, in a game where, you know, I think that the, the Titans' pass attempts are definitely going to be up and uh, this puts Ferkser in, like, a, a legit spot. Now, you know, is he going to be a bust like uh, Matt Lacoste? You know, that definitely could happen. But he's also a guy that has shown, like, sustained, um, sustained uh, um, you know, usefulness, even in a back, like, you know, technically like a backup role. And he's definitely a catch-first tight end. He's not, you know, they're not sending him out there to block a ton. He's, he's a receiving tight end. We saw that in the preseason. Uh, he had over 40 catches his final season at Harvard. And, um, you know, he's a guy that you can pick up and play. Hey, if you've been trying to use, you know, C.J. Uzoma or, or Lacoste or, you know, you're tired of Jimmy Graham, you know, like you can look, absolutely look at, at Anthony Ferkser. Um, I think I might even play him over Evan Ingram. Uh, from this same game, Evan Ingram is a part-time player at this point, sharing time with Rhett Ellison, and uh, he's also facing uh, the tight, this Titans team that allows the third fewest yards in the NFL to tight ends um, uh, with Kevin Byard, who they use a lot in man coverage. He's an all-pro safety. He's like, you know, he's like the 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 our, our kind of this generation's version of Eric Berry, I suppose. So anyways, uh, against the Giants, uh, I think that Marcus Mariota, the Giants have given up a lot of rushing production to quarterbacks. And against the Giants, I think that Marcus Mariota is a, uh, a decent uh, low-end streamer, um, ideally more of a two-quarterback league play. Uh, but it, it's not an, an imposing matchup at all. You got the rushing production. You have the uh, low-end pass rush, I think is the best way to put it. The Giants have played a really, really soft schedule recently, which has helped a lot of their statistics. Uh, but they, you know, they're really not a, a team to fear. Um, they they are in the playoff mix, though, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in a moment. Derrick Henry coming off the monster game, can you use him? You know, he hadn't done anything all year until that point. I mean, he had been a touchdown or bust play, and he had zero games of 70 total yards, and then he just erupts on Thursday night. So um, I think that you're looking at him definitely more positively because he ran well and that could lead to more opportunity. Uh, and also the matchup is not imposing, but also you know that he's not going to get any work in the passing game. He's kind of like Jordan Howard. You know, that's kind of the best way to view him. He's like a low-end RB2, decent flex play, um, and a good matchup. And then Derek, and then Deion Lewis, you know, it really could be, 
as you know, as as strange as this sounds, because we're all affected by the the recency bias of what we just saw. Um, I mean, it could very easily be a Deion Lewis game as well. Uh, so I'm not sure. I, I I would rather play Derrick Henry at this point than Deion Lewis, but I think that Deion Lewis is not a terrible flex play in his own right. Corey Davis going to be playing up against going up against Norris Jenkins, who was awful in the first half of the season, has been lights out recently. Uh, I think that Corey Davis can win against him, though, and I think that the volume is going to be there. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, although he's played great recently, he really is a gambling cornerback, and that can lead to a lot of a lot of big plays uh, being given up. and And Corey Davis, I think, is a, a solid wide receiver three with upside. Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp, those these guys have mixed in for some big plays recently. Can't really use them in fantasy, you know, unless you're you know going like micro slate DFS, but. Um, you know, the, those guys playing well has helped the cause of Marcus Mariota. On the other side, Eli Manning, again, he has played better recently against a string of really soft matchups. Titans have allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points per game in the NFL to quarterbacks. So I, I'm not trying to play Eli Manning against the Titans personally. Saquon Barkley, you know the deal. He's incredible. Um, you know, Nothing else to say. It doesn't matter who he's playing for sure uh, because no one can tackle him. So uh, keep running him out there. Top three uh, RB1 play every single week. Uh, Sterling Shepard has not been doing anything under 50 yards in six straight. He's really shown up as an open field blocker uh, on big runs by Saquon Barkley. But, you know, even with, uh, with Odell out last week, I mean, he had two catches before resting uh, in the second half. Already talked about Evan Ingram. I think Odell will be back this week from the quad injury, uh, but I don't know. That's something to monitor, and you know, uh, we we can move on to the next podcast. Evan, terrific stuff as always. Already looking forward to getting into the late game Sunday nighter, Monday nighter with you, like we do on episode two, part two. As they say. By the way, I'm just telling you guys this. There's, what, 13 days before Christmas? You're probably running out of time. Last chance, if you want to get it by Christmas, to get a game changer of a gift for a loved one. Whether it's your mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, wife, whatever. I'm just telling you, myfrontpagestory.com. You have a story written about them. You can get it on deadline, too. You can pay a little bit extra and get it like within three days. Myfrontpagestory.com. I see, because my buddy, it's my buddy's company, I see the reaction of people after they get it. People cry, dude. Like, this would be the gift that would make your loved ones cry tears of joy. They will cry tears of joy. I'm guaranteeing it. MyFrontPageStory.com. MyFrontPageStory.com. I'm stuffed with fantasy knowledge and stuffed with a warm place in my heart knowing I just gave you guys the gift 
of the best gift of the holiday season, myfrontpagestory.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.